I'm Gab, he's Jules, it's cloudy skies over West London, but Jules, it doesn't matter because you're a football lover, oh yeah, quite a week of Champions League action, Liverpool getting past Villarreal, eventually we've got uh, Inter Milan, did they throw away the title against Bologna, lots going on, the Chelsea sale goes on, we're going to get into all that later, but we have to start with one of those games that it is, you know, where were you when type Exactly. Um, Manchester City beating Real Madrid 4-3. At one point, it looked as if Manchester City were going to score five or six or seven and not concede. That's not how things panned out. So I'm going to start with something posited by our always very sunny and positive colleague, Mark Ogden, who (laughs) said his main takeaway, City should have killed the game off. These are, it's not points dropped for City, but... There's a difference going into the Bernabeu with a two, three, four goal lead, which he thinks they could have had. Is he right? Yeah, I think he's right. I think this is the narrative that we also had in the PSG tie and in the Chelsea tie, is that if you just open the door slightly or if you don't close the door fully, then they come back and they, they come back in. And I think they've got this incredible resilience, whether you, you think it's a bit of luck and maybe there's a part of luck in it, where you think it's the experience or the know-how because they've been there before, they're so good in the Champions League, it's the heritage, anything you want. But the fact is that you can never write them off in a game, even when they look on the back foot, okay. even when but they are on the back foot under pressure, they find a way. What, what I'm interested in though, Jules, is how do you close your Barcelona in the Classico, on the, the biggest chances. stage of all, yeah, but close the, the door, right? So when you close the door, there's two ways to do it. I'm going to close the door by converting all my chances. Mm-hmm. And so that way, even if you score a couple, I don't care because I've scored six or seven. Or I close the door by defending really, really well and giving you nothing. Yeah. Where did, if you believe City came up short, where did they come up short? Not taking the chances, I presume. Not taking the chances to start with. I mean, the, the one that we can talk about a lot is the Riyad Mahrez one in the first half at 2-0 up already should he have crossed the ball at some point certainly when he takes the shot he can't cross the ball because I think Alvahal is blocking the, the further angle there's the Brown coming as well I don't know but certainly he hit the post and Foden should have scored the rebound there's the Foden shot that goes wide in the first half as well they've so had, close to Foden yeah, shot they've had so many chances but the problem as well is that if you make half, half a mistake or if you give Benzema half a, half a yard free like we saw on his, on his first goal which the expected goal is 0, 0.3 then, then something is going to happen but Emmerich Laporte has to defend better on Vinicius on the second goal I don't know why he doesn't come and cover and there's the penalty as well. But that, this is what they have. It can't be luck because it, is, it has happened too many times now. Okay, but Jules, this is where I really, really struggle with this. And I've touched upon this before. I don't buy the... To me, so many times, these whole metaphysical, oh, the psychology, the mentality arguments, I think generally a lot, of, not all of it, but a lot of it is basically BS. A lot of it is nonsense <laughs> that we use to explain things that we can't explain. In this specific case of Real Madrid, I think it's the kind of BS that becomes reality in the minds of the players, in the minds of the fans, and in the minds of the opposition. Because I have no other way to explain it. Because the first goal, now we need to salute him. He scored two goals. I think he scored all but two of Real Madrid's Champions League goals. That's right. You know who I'm talking about, right? Kareem the Dream. Okay, so the first goal... I, people said Zinchenko was on him. I don't know what Zinchenko could have done Nothing. differently. Okay, I, I appreciate it's Zinchenko and it's not, you know, Paolo Maldini. Yeah. But 
what, what do you want him to do? The way he angles, the way he meets it just so, the way he knows where the ball's going to go. At the goal. He hits it not even looking at the goal. And he goes in off the post without losing speed. Okay, that's otherworldly. And it's the kind of otherworldly stuff we've seen Benzema do before. And it's yeah. people like that do it. The, the penalty, fine. I, I don't know that there's much to argue about. It was, was a penalty again. You expect at that level somebody to be able to jump with more discipline. I know the ball goes off his head, but just because you know you're going to be able to head the ball doesn't mean you can leave your arms out because yeah. you're going to get called for that. Completely. I'm interested, though, on the Vinicius goal. That's, that's the one that hurts them, I think. Okay, at that point, Fernandinho's there. Mm. Obviously, Fernandinho cannot control Vin Vinicius. Uh, Vinicius just basically turns him and takes off. Foul him. I don't care. Well, he, Fernandinho can't even foul him at that stage. Well, He's gone. I think he still can kick him. Well, no, he can't. But, well, he but, can, like, he can like, take his shoe off and hit him on the head. The He's not going to catch him. The it's a point. No, 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 no. You, you, you catch him before he turns. Before he does the dummy and nutmegs you. I think he sold that dummy that. so well in the distance. Know, well, maybe. But still, Laporte has to come across. But equally, you do, that, you do that. You're Fernandinho. At some point, you get sent off. Maybe not on that incident. No, yeah, but no, you, then you're yeah, playing yeah, with a yellow. You're out of position. But... But Laporte has to come across regardless. And instead, he runs parallel to Vinicius. He runs, he runs, and you think, okay, go across now. He runs parallel, go across now. He runs parallel. And then Vinicius runs 50 meters in the I, Champions League semi final first leg away at City, and no one comes across. In what world? I can only think that Laporte maybe wasn't aware of what was happening behind him. Uh, and said, I'm going to try to jockey him, slow him down. If I commit, he's going to turn on the afterburners and leave me, although Laporte's not no, slow. And the other, man, the other guy's across. running with the ball. But, um, by the way, beautiful technique. The, 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 the little touch at the end uh, ahead of Ederson. I thought that, that was is, brilliant. It's a little detail. Terribly, terrible defending, though. Um, and Ederson, I think, not great either in that game. You're not talking about Ederson. Um, when, when the pen is given... And, and Karim takes the ball. I was on French radio and I said, okay, he's missed the last two against Osasuna, the last two that he took, mm -hmm. both of them on the right of the goalkeeper, which is his, his preferred um, aim or target. Before that against Celta, he also missed one. The one where he had three penalties in the game exactly. and he missed the middle one. Yeah. But he, missed, he missed one, so he missed three of the last four, mm -hmm. right? And I'm thinking, okay, if you Edison, and you know all of that, of course, because that's your prep pretty much, of course, like every goalkeeper. You're thinking, there's no way you're going to put it again on that right-hand side, not after missing the last two, right? So you probably think, okay, he's going to maybe put it on the left. So, so this is where I'm ready for it, and that's actually where he dives. But I don't think in any moment in his mind, in the whole world, he thinks he's going to have the cojones to do a panenka now, when, when Karim Benzema has never ever ever even tried a Panenka in a game in a penalty before and you're 4-2 down away at City in the Champions League semi-final first leg and yet you're playing at the best level of your life and it's, you're walking on water but if you had a sense surely never in a million years you think he might just chip me now and humiliate me that's the psych out of the situation that's one big brain it's against crazy. another brain uh and saying, how do I get the edge, right? And you say, oh, sure, he's not going to put it to my right. Then you use double reverse psychology. No, I'll put it to my right. I mean, I'm even wondering, you know, to have the confidence to take it in the situation as well. 
And I know yeah. like, these people are trained not to... But, you know, there's other people who take penalties on that team. Luka Modric just converted a, a penalty or two yeah, yeah, in his yeah, time. Yeah. Um, I thought that was remarkable. It, and it's one of those things, like, I think way back to the, um, to the semifinal of the Euro 2000. Um, uh, of, of the, yeah, of semifinal Euro yeah. 2000. Italy against, uh, against Holland was a penalty sequence and, uh, and sort of Totti's up and he walks past Maldini and he says, oh, like, watch this. I'm going to do the cucchiaio, the spoon, the panenka, right? Yeah. And Maldini's like, ha-ha. And Maldini, and then he's like, I'm laughing. And then I think to myself, oh, my God. Mm. This, this crazy maniac is actually really going to do this. And I'm yeah. sure Benzema didn't tell anybody no, what he's going to do, but it is Zidane, the ultimate. Zidane in the 06 final as well against Buffon because he knew that Buffon knew him so well that the one thing that Buffon would not expect, yeah. a bit like at the sand. And he nearly game. missed it too, by the way. Yeah, yeah but, but and then you ben could say that Karim was, was a better Panenka, to be fair, because he was, he was never in doubt that he would go in where Zidane hit the bottom of the crossbar. Benzema scored 14 goals in the Champions League so far this season. Um, Real Madrid scored 16. Yeah. <laughs> Three, three behind the record of Ronaldo, which is 17, Cristiano. His XG, I mean, depending on where you look, because some websites and some data is slightly different, but it's around six or seven, some have four. So 14 in four, in four XG is, is another planet. But even, even if it's, I think, FBREF or Opta is 6.7 or 7 point something. Six XG for 14 goals in the Champions League and a lot of those goals in the knockout stage. It's just See, this speaks else. to what we were talking about before with Real Madrid. This idea of manifest destiny, this idea that things are going to work out with us, so the idea that somebody's going to come up with some kind of hugely improbable goal or some hugely improbable yeah. turn of events or some ridiculous Courtois save, that these things are going to come together and things are going to fall into place for us. And I think... That's going to be the challenge for Pep in the second leg. Yeah. Now, we've talked about the way that so much happened in this game that we haven't necessarily talked about some of the, the lineup decisions that went into it because I think they did affect very clearly what happened. Yeah, definitely. In the case of Pep, just going into this, and look, when people talk about, you know, no, nobody's going to feel sorry for Manchester City because all the money they have and whatever. But to be fair to them, We've said this before. This is not the biggest squad in the world in terms of senior players. And when you get a rash of injuries at the back, you're in a tough spot. Nathan Ake, out. Joe Cancelo, suspended. Kyle Walker, out. John Stones, not fit. Mm. He started the game and he came off after, what, half an hour? Yeah, 25 I mean, minutes. Uh, which is even a risk, I think, putting him out there yeah, because completely. muscular situations, you can aggravate them. Yeah, exactly. With five substitutions, maybe take a little more, a few more chances. At that point, he says, I don't have any more right, I don't have any more players. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if, if one of the two, if Ruben Diaz or Laporte gets sent off, what happens then? The kids from the bench. What? That's CJ, Egan, Riley? Yeah, that's you know, all you have that. But, but I, there was a lot of them on the bench. It was, I, I thought that side of things is extraordinary. Mm, when for we, sure. When we reflect on like massive squads and so on, let's also remember that you get to these situations, the biggest game of the season, arguably, at that, you know, to that stage, and you have to adjust and you have to make these decisions. I, I thought that was... Uh, yeah, the Walker injury was for that game and for his importance defensively for City, it was the worst. Okay. The possibility of Gabriel Jesus at right back, and then it turned out it was a joke. He said, I'm not going to play him at right back. With hindsight, I wonder, would it have been such a crazy idea? 
Obviously, it would have with been. a back three, maybe. But I think the interesting thing is the way they play, though, is the right backs come inside and turn into additional central midfielders. You see a lot more of that than you do of, you know, overlapping fullbacks yeah, yeah, turning yeah. into wingers. So even the decision to start Gabriel Jesus, I think, you know, when people you talk had, about you had to. Okay, you say you had to, hmm. but Gabriel Jesus is not a regular starter on this team. You had other players. I know, but he's right? just got four goals against Watford, and he's, his press and come to press is perfect for a game like that. I don't think this was a 100% obvious decision. Because mm. Raheem Sterling is not really on top form. So you play, you know, maybe you play Foden through the middle and you play Sterling on the other flank. Yeah, maybe. Or the 100 million pound man. Yeah, who stood on the bench, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who doesn't get on. Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. It looked to me like Real Madrid, obviously, they knew the challenge. And, and fr from their end, you have Casemiro out, mm. which, again, I always kind of feel, okay, Casemiro's overrated. But then you see then what you happens see when exactly he's not when there. He's not there. And like, yeah. when he's not there, it takes two people to replace him. And Although you know, I thought it was a mistake not to start Camavinga, I have to say, and you okay. saw that when he came on. So the conservative choice, and I think this was... Carlo perhaps trying to throw a curveball. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He too. starts Rodrigo. He says, oh, you expect me to play Valverde as like a false winger and yeah. stuff. And what are you know, I, I did. And then I put Camavinga there. Maybe I put Kroos. I think he would have put Kroos in front of the back four and then had Camavinga and Modric and Valverde to come inside, you know, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. But Kroos really hates playing there. Yeah, and he's not, he's not good enough. And it's not, it's not his position. Fucking, he spends his time running everywhere, which he, doesn't, he can't do anymore. He's never been able to so But much. then you put Camavinga there and you think, oh my God, this guy's a teenager. I know, but the energy is there. He's good, he's smooth with the ball. He knows what decisions to make, to not lose the ball. I think, I think it would have been better. I mean, he had an impact coming off the bench, and maybe that was the plan from Carlo, saying, "Okay, let's let's put Cruz." I don't think it was. Like I think it. he tried to catch him off balance with Rodrigo. And it yeah, didn't maybe out. it didn't work out. Um, Alaba not fully fit. No. Did not play well. You could tell that, and, came and, off and had to come off. And again, by the way, he comes off, and then you've got Nacho. You know, talking about big teams, big squads, yeah, lots of sure. money. Talk about sure. squad balance. Again, if Nacho gets injured, what happens then? Or, 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 or Militao? Like Carvajal like goes back to playing centre-back. I just want to like, notice because I think they're pretty extraordinary. But that, that shows you that even at top clubs, sometimes you, you have to tinker and you have to try to move things around and, and hope for the best almost because Fernandinho are right back against Vinicius. Pep would say, OK, do your best, but Pep is hoping for the best. Because the guy is 55 years old, it could be his dad, and you know has a third of the pace that Vinicius had. So it's, this is the only thing you can do is Fernandinho now, but you really hope for the best. I mean, but this is what's surreal about this sport, right? Fernandinho does his best work in the game on the attacking end, yeah, right? <laughs> which nobody expected. Uh, and he has to play right back against somebody. Who... It's cruel as well for him to get done by the dummy and the nutmeg from Vinicius. Do you see I, what I mean? I wonder, though, in that game, again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I love these decisions that Pep has to make. I, I don't. Yeah. I saw CJ Egan Riley play against Sporting in the game that was basically over and meaningless. He didn't do much wrong, but I have no idea. I mean, I read on the internet he's really more of a center central defender anyway. Yeah, true. I'm assuming he's going to be a lot faster than Fernandinho, but I don't know. But I love uh, you can't. I, I, but I love this dilemma that you face as a manager. I don't think right? he had the dilemma even. 
Oh, really? He's just going to say, I'm going to go with experience. Yeah, and I even think we mentioned it on the FC show the night before. It, it was always an option, Fernandino, even from the start. Even from the start, I think there was that possibility. I, I would have thought a more realistic option might have been, might have been the back three. Um, Jesus' wing back. Yeah, I did, I did think that too. But then again, he's never really done that before. Um, I also wondered, could you put Gundogan in play back three with Gundogan in the back three rather than Fernandinho and keep Fernandinho as kind of... Yeah, maybe. You know, uh, I don't know. I, for a long time, I and mean, what I was told was his preferred option would have been shift Sinchenko to right back. And this is when he still thought Ake could play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Ake, no condition to play. He's playing through yeah. pain already. He's gritting his teeth. I know. So, um, fascinating decisions. It's just can't wait to be next week already in the second leg. I mean, th- this is... This, this was a great because Real Madrid right now think they're going to make it for them it was almost like a win they almost it felt like they celebrated the newspaper certainly celebrated it almost like a win but and I'm like okay there's still a game to be played at the Bernabeu where you haven't no really goals rule. and when they haven't really been good in the Champions League I mean they lost you know they they lost to Chelsea against PSG they were under pressure for most of it apart from that moment of magic from Karim and even before that, they were not always that great. And they I, have a goal deficit. I think what I really like about this new form, and I wasn't sure about doing away the away goals rule, blah, 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 but I think it's worked out well because big time. it's I'm very simple to fan. understand. Very, very simple, right? All you, it's 4-3, and this is the second half, right? So if you're Real Madrid, if you score a goal, it's 4-4. Then we go to extra time and penalties. If you score two, then you're winning 5-4. It's yeah. very, very yeah, simple. Yeah, yeah. You don't have that calculation, which we would have had. Let's say Real Madrid go 2-1 up, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, now we defend, now City have to go forward. That's not, well, it's not entertaining really, in the same yeah, way as really I see it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash G-A-B-J-U-L-S now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. Enough of that first semi-final. Let's go with the second semi-final. Not quite as entertaining, but no, I think fair to say a clash of styles. <laughs> Liverpool beating Villarreal 2-0. Um, I think, obvious, the game followed the script that we expected. Yeah. Uh, Unai Emery, no Gerard Moreno, obviously. Um, but even with Gerard Moreno, it would have been the exactly. same thing. Sets up, defend deep, stifle, frustrate. Do you have, a, do you have an issue with time. him being so negative in a way? Because a lot of people are moaning about, uh, you know, saying like, this is a disgrace, yeah. this is Champions League semi-final. I was a little bit disappointed that they were not a little bit more 
going for my, it. <laughs> so I have two minds about this. My good friend, an old mate, Jason Cundy, came out. Oh, yeah, that's him. That's right. That's right. I think he's being provocative. So nobody would do this. When we see cop teams doing this, or even teams, when we see you know teams go, oh, look, they went to the Etihad and got a point. Like that's good, right? Who's going to go and complain about it? Yeah. What do you expect? Seriously, what do you but expect them to do? To just of course play they do. defensively. That's what of I mean. course they do. But you go with a plan and it works. It's the same thing about Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid obviously much more extreme. Yeah. yeah. And there was maybe the underside of physical intimidation. No, but, but how come we have to wait the 85th minute for a ball over the top in behind the Liverpool high line for Bulai Diai to have a, a shot that Manan would have saved? But still, you know, that was the only shot on target. Can, 85 minutes waiting for that. I can answer that question because Liverpool are a really good team. No, no, And okay. they're really good. No, no. And they're really good at counter-pressing. And that ball over the top, you know, when you win the ball back against Liverpool... And they're high up the pitch. If you want to catch them out, because they counterpress okay. you so effectively, you have to at least be able to, to, to go through one layer of pressure before you can make that pass. True, Unless if, you just want to hoof it into no, space. True, but if your block is a little bit higher, that means you recover right. the ball higher, and then and it's if not as block, hard. Okay. Okay, now I'm going to be all, when I am re. Yes, but if my block is a little bit higher, then uh, they the have Mane and Salah and they run past me and they True, score. But that's the risk you take. You play with a really low block I, and you let Salah take the ball, turn and give it to Mane between Pau Torres' legs. And that's the second goal and that's it. It's over. Okay. So, you know what? You go ahead and say that. No, no, and no, no, I'm going to say, I'm going to be Unai Emery and say, okay, fine. We went to Anfield against one of the two best teams in the world. Yeah. They scored two goals. True. First goal, massive, de lucky deflection. Yeah. Lucky, lucky Jordan Henderson, okay? Yeah. Second one, sure, he puts the ball through the legs. That's not easy to do no. because he's Mo Salah okay. and Bane was, was this close to being outside. Okay, Unai, except that your plan was to push them wide, of course, and yeah. to block the, cent the, the central area. And we, made, we, we make density in the center, as yeah. you say. How does the second, where does the second goal come from? The center. So even your plan that you thought was perfect... Even that, if you if you concede two goals, a millimeter by, more, and Mane is offside. But he's not offside, and he goes. They go through the middle to I score know, you like, that goal. But listen, I love Unai and what he's done so it. far. This this obstacle was just too high. Well, it's not over yet. It is. Now it's not over. Was it, it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? No, it's over. It's it not over. over. You know it is. I don't think it, I genuinely do not. You think. do. There's no way they can beat Liverpool 2-0 and go to penalties or win 3-0 even in extra time. How do you say that? Well, what, what, what makes you so Because Liverpool are too, are too good. Unless they've got the flu, half of that team, you, you cannot see. They don't, have enough, they don't have enough Villarreal to be able to put them under trouble like that. This is football. You need to play the games. And you know what? I would imagine in the return leg we're going to see a similar approach. We're going to see Liverpool with a dilemma, all right, do we go and stifle them and score another goal, put this away? Something lucky happens the first half, they score a goal. After that, it's more right. of a dilemma. Yeah, maybe you're pacing right. Up and I down. like your optimism. I'm not I optimistic. Think. I don't have a dog in this side. But what I'm saying is we've seen stuff like this happen mm. before. Ultimately, yeah, Liverpool are a much better team. I don't care that Villarreal knocked out Juventus because I thought, and Bayern, I think... I mean, they were really good against Bayern. I thought they were less good against Juventus. Yeah. Juventus was Juventus being extremely bad, interpreting the game incorrectly. But they can turn it on. But um, 
You have to play these games, Jules. It's just no, 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 no. I know you have to. Goals. I, I, I love a fairy tale and I love a remontada and anything you want. I just think this time the gap is the gap is too high. It's too big. I want to give a shout out to to Fabinho as well. Oh, because you talk about for me. you talk about key men on this Liverpool team who can't be replaced. We saw Van Dijk. What happened when he got injured last year? This guy Fabinho. Incredible. You know, I, 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 to me, you can make a case he's more important to Liverpool than Salah or Mane yeah. because there's two of them. Plus Jota, plus Luis Diaz, there's one Fabinho. You know, people talk about Thiago Alcantara and how he's been exceptional the last the four games, really. The five, the Derby, Villarreal game, the United game, and then the City game as well. But I think what makes Thiago so good as well this season is Fabinho. I think, I think Thiago knows that, yeah, he will do the counter-press and he will do what he has to do in midfield, of course. But he knows there's a machine behind him literally sweeping up all the balls. I mean, I think on Wednesday, Fabinho by himself, I think annihilated, just annihilated, annihilated, thank you, all the attempts of counter-attacking by Villarreal. He was everywhere. I think he recovered the ball 12 or 13 times. I, I, I think Dani Parejo is having nightmares of Fabinho. I don't yeah. think he slapped last night. And exactly. In a game like that, to recover the ball so many times when you had 75 possession or 78 percent possession is just ridiculous. And plus what he does with the ball and how solid he is and strong. and It's just, it's just in, incredible. One of the best signings from, from Michael Edwards. And, I mean, it was not a no-brainer. The guy was amazing with Monaco in the Champions League and in the guys. This is not the point. But still, to have gone and get him like that, it was remarkable. I presume Bernard Diomed was amazing in Ligue 1 as well, and <laughs> he went to Liverpool. So I, I don't think it was... And no, he won honestly, the league as well. I, I, th I think there was also a good... Oh, yeah, Diomed won the World Cup, too. Yeah. I forgot about that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bernard. We, we, we joke because okay, we, we love. Joke. Um, I don't, honestly, I, I, as you know, I've been obsessed and hammering on about Liverpool's midfield and, oh, no, they haven't replaced Wijnaldum. And mm -hmm. because I'm a creature of habit, when things don't go right for Liverpool, I go back and say, oh, they should have replaced Wijnaldum. Um, this guy has been, he's been plugging all those holes. Yeah, because, look, Henderson, bless him, age, you know, yeah. is galumphing behind him. At his back, he hears Age's winged, Time's winged chariot uh, drawing near, Andrew <laughs> Marvell. Um, that's what Henderson's thinking right now. Yeah. And he's saying, how can I pick my spot? Thiago Cantara, not the most durable player, although he seems to be playing 90 minutes all the time yeah, now. Yeah, nice. And they have the alternatives on the bench. Keita and Oxley chamberlain are both strangely fit at the same time, so they can weather that. But it is Fabinho, I think, the guy who really has no alternative, Crazy. has no replacement. Um, I want to... Shift it back to Unai Emery for a second, because I love this. There's a narrative that's taken hold out there on, on social and among some pundits. I somewhere in between, and I've touched upon this before, but I think it's always interesting, especially with foreign coaches, how we view them, right? The narrative is Unai Emery is a phenomenal manager who was treated unfairly in England because Premier League fans made fun of his accent and they're intolerant of people who sound funny when they speak and but in mm. reality he was great he laid the groundwork for all the good stuff that Arteta did and he's an outstanding manager and who'd be an outstanding manager everywhere now obviously you saw him up close at Arsenal yeah we saw him at Paris Saint-Germain yeah. is there a truth to that that he just got a raw deal at Arsenal um I don't think so, and I think he did, he did a lot of good things, including the Europa League final that they could have won. They didn't win it, 
in the end. Isn't it crazy to have another Europa League final if they'd won that too? I know. <laughs> and, you, and, you know, it's, it could have done, it could have turned differently. I, I just think he's someone who will always feel better in Spain anyway. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence that Sevilla and, and Villarreal now are the two best spells in his career. Better than in Paris, better than in Arsenal. And he's had really good games as a PhD manager. And of course, the first leg against Barcelona. He had really good games at Arsenal where you, you could see the tactical plan. You could see what he wanted to do. The players were really buying into it. He improved a lot of them. There was that intensity. There was a lot of good things. But eventually, I think he's also someone who needs to have no pressure, which, which cannot happen in if you're the PSG manager, regardless of who you are. And if you are a Premier League manager, regardless of the club that you are at, even a smaller club than Arsenal. And I think he's someone who works very well with no pressure, almost no expectation. Sevilla. He's worked at Valencia and Sevilla. There's but, a lot of pressure at both those clubs. But, but it's not the same pressure as a Premier League pressure or a PSG pressure. It's not. I'm I don't, sorry. I, not. I disagree about... Nah, you don't have people but coming You're not going to win the title. Or you got, you know, if you you're not going to win the title four, at Arsenal too. No, no, right? okay, but it's still a top four finish that you're looking for. Yeah. Valencia, it's not really the top four finish that is putting you under massive pressure and no Sevilla, it's the fans coming to your house and saying why didn't you play this guy why didn't you they're play demanding that guy? fans at the Mestalla but it's not they're a lot more demanding than Arsenal fans I know are. but still oh, no honestly come here we, we can't no no no, no but that's not the point no I'm not spinning Arsene anything I'm just saying to you that years he's someone who works better in Spain for obvious reasons that doesn't go away well I, I would suggest that maybe the obvious reasons are that ultimately the guy is terrible at communicating whether he speaks maybe he's good at communicating behind closed doors to his players especially if they're not necessarily superstar players, maybe if they're players who've... That's you know, another factor. I, I, I look at this, right? And I look at... There's a lot of commonalities, right? Albiol, Parejo, Capue. Those are all veterans who've been around the block, yeah. who are kind of like, all right, my career is counting down. This guy's smart. This guy tells us smart tactical things. Yeah. I'm going to go and put my weight behind him. But if he's... Instead, working with Neymar, Neymar might not view it the same Completely. way. Completely. The same um, in Arsenal dressing room with big egos, too. And I think when he speaks in public, not just in English, but in Spanish as well, I, I, he's incredibly difficult to follow. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't make, finish his sentences. He doesn't finish his sentences. He doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it's really, really... And I don't know if he gets nervous in front of the camera, if that's just how his mind thinks, if he's a little bit odd. Other great managers sometimes have this as well. Um, Thomas Tuchel springs to mind. Mm. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's that. But, yeah, I reject this narrative that he got a terrible raw deal. The man got to manage Paris Saint-Germain and he got to manage Arsenal, two yeah. of the biggest clubs in the world. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. And he was no longer there. And he was no longer there not because Arsenal and Paris Saint-Germain says, oh, let's try to make it so it's impossible for Unai Emery to, to succeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Enough Champions League. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gav. Inter lose their game in hand away to Bologna in the most dramatic oh. way, Jules. Oh. First, their captain, Samir Andanovic, is injured pregame. Then they take the lead. Then they concede a stupid equalizer to Arnautovic. Yeah. And then they concede an even dumber one. Oh, and keeper, no, substitute keeper, Jonut Radu with a blunder of the season. Yeah, misses the ball completely and then he rolls in front of the goal and then Sansone just, just has it. It's from a throw-in. Just... It's from a throw-in. But I'm not even sure the throw-in should go to Radu in the first place. Anyway, God. But, but he should clear it. He doesn't. He misses the ball, tries to hit it with his left foot in his six-yard box, basically. Sansone scores. The XG is one. This is this the ball is on the line, so obviously the AG is always going to be one. I didn't know if it was possible Sonsone. to have a one point zero XG. Well, but. you have it now. I love Sansone's uh, comments on Italian television after the saying. I, I expect a call from Paolo Maldini now, even alone, because <laughs> this is a huge, huge push, of course, for Milan now to win this title. Incredible scenes when we said on the last show that Inter had been playing like champions. Really, they were so good collectively, and now to let that game go that way, it was it was it, incredible. It's Collective amnesia. And again, I, I don't want to make it all about Radu's teammates, obviously all consoling him, like mm. forming a human tent around, keep the cameras away, he's crying. And, like, it's very touching. You know, like, he, by the way, he's not, it's not like he's 15 years old, right? He's 24 yeah, years old. Exactly. He's been around the block. He and made the guy's winning. It's not the last game of the season either, you know? No, it's not it's over. You need to send that message. What would worry me a little bit is Inter, were, Inter didn't play badly in the game. I thought they should have converted mm. more. Yeah. And there was a big switch off on the Arnautovic goal. I don't understand how in that situation you can leave Fede Di Marco on Arnautovic when, you know, he's like yeah, a foot shorter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's matchup. not a good matchup. No. So, Gab, let's look at the running then between Milan and Inter. Milan are two points clear, as we said now, played the same amount of games. And Milan have, are going to play teams from... All of them uh, from the top of the table. Uh, Fiorentina, Atalanta, and then Verona and Sassuolo away for the last two. Inter have only opponents from the bottom half of the table. Udinese, Cagliari away, and then Empoli and Sondoya at home. And let's remind everyone as well that the head-to-head is in Milan's favour. So, when I look at this late in the season, especially in Serie A, I always kind of say, right, you do not want to play the teams that are fighting for something important. Of course. You want to look at yeah, the yeah. way things are trending. So, on paper, Milan looked tougher. And I appreciate Atalanta and Sassuolo, the way they play, anything can happen. Yeah, we saw that with Sassuolo. Equally, Verona, in some ways similar. But equally, you could also see teams, certainly Verona and Sassuolo, tapping out a little bit at this point of the season. Atalanta, I think, is going to be tough. Fiorentina, it looks like they're really, really drifting. A couple of bad results being against yesterday. Whereas Inter, Cagliari... And Sampdoria, those are angry teams fighting to avoid relegation. Those mm. are not the teams you want to play. Udinese and Empoli mid-table, they look like gimmies to me. Yeah, yeah. So, still a lot to play for. Spanish Daily Ass says Paris Saint-Germain are willing to sell Neymar Ooh. and will accept offers of 90 million euros or above. Jules, what do you make of this? That no one will pay that amount of money for him anyway in the first place? So. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 
Hey. I'm, I'm willing, by the way, to sell my uh, six-year-old Mitsubishi <laughs> Outlander electric hybrid uh, PHEV for offers of 150,000 pounds yeah, or I above. I think there might be some takers, Gab. Yeah. Uh, whether PHEV are open to let him go, if he wants to go, if they get a good offer, yeah, maybe, of course. I think, I think that right now they will look at, into anything. But I don't, I don't know who would come for Neymar even for less than 90 million euros right let's, now. It's, let's explain this right now and why it matters. You're not going to have any resale value with Neymar. If you sign Neymar, you will most likely have to give him at least a four-year deal. Yeah. Correct? Um, and you're going to have to pay him something in the order of 25 to 30 million a year. Easily. Correct? That's why he earns. So it's going to effectively cost you close to 50 million a year between wages and exactly. amortization. He's 30 years old and just had a very average season. For most clubs, 50 million represents... It's not going to happen. You know, it's... For, for, for 99% of clubs, yeah. 50 million is more than half their turnover exactly. or more. So, it would no. be the next season, trust me. The Times and other uh, newspapers, uh, media, reporting that UEFA are strongly considering a Final Four format of the Champions League with one-legged semi-finals, a bit like we saw in the Final Four during the pandemic, and then the final in the same city in the same week. Gab, your thoughts? I, they're trying to emulate kind of, you know, Super Bowl week with the yeah. build-up. Um, I like the final four. I, I'm, I'm definitely after the semi-final that you've just seen. This, this City Real Madrid game. You don't want two of them. You just want one. Well, they're not all like that. Um, sure, but still. But I think you still have, you still have the drama. I, as you know, I, I want high-quality games, and I'm concerned that fixture congestion is one of the reasons we don't get this. So if we can move this, rather than having these games take place, yeah. While there's a title race going on, which is a case for Liverpool and City, if we can move these to the end of the season. Um, still make money. I think there's going to be logistical issues if they're in, if all the games are in the same city because you know can you play in the same stadium two days in a row or does that put too much of a strain on the ground crew? I don't know. But you know what my fear is? There won't be that many cities in Europe that can host that final four. So people have a, raised it because oh because of the fans the logistics. But, yeah, I think but I think UEFA will will have some criteria. Very specific, and I don't think there will be many cities. Why? Maybe. Because because you need two stadiums. Because you need one. Because you need big stadiums. Because you need the. But you need capacity. two stadiums. I don't well, think so. Well, it depends. But we remember we saw in the final four in well, it was the final eight to be fair, but that the pitches in Lisbon were struggling a little bit with all the football. My my fear, and maybe it's, maybe it's just far fetched, but there's a point where once all those cities have hosted this final four then there will be a temptation to take it to Shanghai or to LA or to New York or to somewhere else. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And that would be bad for you. No, 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 I'm just saying. All right. I'm just saying. Harry Maguire is out for the season and Rachel Frangnick gives his suggestion on, he's already earning his consultancy money, yeah. on what the club might want to do with a captaincy in the future. Let's have a vote, he says. Now, this is standard practice in some places. Of Worked course. out great at Arsenal, didn't it? Uh -huh. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but it's not a bad idea. But every Ten Hag will come in and he might see straight away a cap his captain, a captain, and he might say, you don't, we don't need a vote. I know that Gab Marcotti has to be my captain for next season because he's so wonderful. Or maybe he will say, Marcotti is not good enough to be my captain, so let's have a vote and let's I see know. who, who the, the, the squad and the dressing room prefers. I think given what the status of captain means traditionally in certain football cultures, and some it's irrelevant, I'm not 100% on the player vote because, but 
whatever. It's, if you do, if you do it like it's not something I care about. I don't think it's the reason Maguire's not been good. Honestly, it's because he's got a little strip of cloth around his bicep. Do you? Yeah. No, yeah, no, I agree um, with you. I agree with you. You can never have too much Rangnick, of course, Gab. So Bruno Fernandes has signed an extension through 2026. We mentioned that before. With an, op- with an option of another year, we even question why they did that so early in his uh, in his contract. But Rangnick says he proved that the, the club remains a very attractive option even without the Champions League. If there's no qualification, for example. No, because this is, this is silly. This is this makes is sense silly. to you? No, it no, it makes sense. no sense whatsoever, Ralph. It's not like Fernandez was going to go, was going to move somewhere else. There's not people beating a, a path to his door. He's and got three. And no, and yeah, that's why he's there. Giorgio Chiellini has announced his retirement from international football. His last game will be the finalissima against Argentina on June 1st in London, which I like to think is when the real World Cup champions will be crowned. Winner of of Europe, winner of South America. Jules, he's 38 this summer, so maybe it's not surprising. What will your enduring memories of the man be? Um, well, the Euros uh, triumph, of course, uh, at Wembley. The fact that he has 116 caps, I think, that he's been such a great servant. Whether you like him or not, whether you thought he played too deep or just a, just a fighter, but still, the art of defending is, is, is Giorgio Chiellini. Gab, a Madrid court has reversed the decision stopping UEFA from punishing the three Super League rebel clubs. Remember, we mentioned that a few shows ago. An appeal hearing will begin on June 14th. But according to reports... UFI will actually wait for a punishment. Yeah, because you don't know what's going to happen with, yeah. the, with the appeal court. You don't know what's going to happen with, with a big lawsuit in the European Court of Justice. And I think mostly what they want to send them, they, they don't rather not punishment punish them. If a punishment comes, it's going to be because they've turned down mm. uh, the fines and it's going to be 2023-24. Let's talk about big central strikers who score plenty of goals and whose name starts with H. Reports in Holland suggest Sebastian Aller could be on his way either to Borussia Dortmund as an Erling Holland replacement or to Manchester United as a replacement for, I guess, everybody up front. Um, what would you advise, Jules? It's a good question. Is it also been linked with, uh, with Bayern Munich if Lewandowski goes? I think he's improved a lot with Ten Hag. And, and we saw that in the Champions League. I mean, it, it, he's always been a good finisher at Frankfurt as well. But um, in the movement, I think, in the awareness of players around him and how to play other people in, that kind of stuff that I was a bit absent before. I don't know why it didn't work out for him at West Ham because I really thought he would thrive in the Premier League. Maybe it was not just his fault, I don't know. But at least he knows the Bundesliga really well. And he's been very success- well, very successful in terms of scoring there before so I, Dortmund, I don't see Dortmund, Bayern Munich can we just rule this one out like, yeah yeah no maybe not I, but Dortmund have signed at the Yemi or well, have signed will sign at the Yemi do you play the two up front in a four in a four four two or again Marco Rosa comes oh, wait, back but if they do that there's midfield. no place for your boy Daniel Marlin what's there's, he gonna there's, do there's there's a there's a post well, you can play Marlin wide in the in the four four two clearly yeah which and is Reina the role. other side and then Bellingham in the center with someone else um, it is possible I would, I would like another Yemi Halle partnership up front I think do you think he's cool. Manchester United material I think that the struggles that he had before in the Premier League might suggest that a he's little not bit, okay. yeah. the Chelsea sale story rumbles on Gab so please it's time for you to give us another update if you have I, one yeah look okay so there's, there's three parties back in one of them we we're told could be dropping out this week or they might decide oh we'll have just two preferred bidders rather than one now most people think Stephen Pagliuca um, 
bid is the one that's behind the other two. In other words, the Todd Bowley one and the Martin Broughton, yeah, David yeah. Blitzer, Lewis Hamilton, Josh Harris, Serena, Serena Williams, Lord Sebastian Coe. You and me. Um, but what I find incredible about this is, and I go back to this, and I, I'd love to have answers, but of course, you know, nobody answers these questions. To two things. One is, you said it's so important to get this done quickly. Okay, it's been two months now, right? We're in day 64 of the war. You know, yeah. nothing's happened. You still have these three people competing. Not just that, but the other thing is, this, this these people are selling the rain group. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, how much are you going to bid for this phone, Jules? Okay, 10 bucks? Okay, let me think about it. Then I go back. Oh, Jules, you guys really want you guys really want to bid more for this. How about I invite more bids from you? Rather than just taking the highest bid, why don't I just keep stringing it out? The the, the guy, Joe, Joe Ravitch, who, who runs uh, Rain or who runs a sale here, um, his dad, incidentally. Yeah, you're Richard, a big fan of his dad, are you? I, Richard Ravitch is is a legendary figure and uh, he's 89 years old now, 88 years old, something <laughs> like that. Like, he's somehow retired, but he's a really important figure in, in New York politics and, and, and business and stuff like that. This guy's come out this week and he said, like, oh, like, we think that in a few years this club is going to be worth $10 billion. I'm like, yeah, you would say that, right? If I tell you my Come phone on. here, Jules, in a few years, my phone is going to be worth a thousand pounds. How much pounds. is going to be your Mitsubishi in, in five years? I, it's going to be several <laughs> million. It's, it's going to cost like several gold-plated McLarens. I mean, I don't, I don't know why this is. I, I Listen, we've heard little inklings from Tuchel. Some people suggest, you know, Tuchel came out and said, well, no, I'm going to stay. I'm committed because he seemed depressed and weird. I mean, just get this done. What are you trying to do? You, we, we don't even know. There's, they haven't answered so many basic questions like how much of this money is Abramovich actually going to get? Hmm? Uh, the money that you said in this, he hasn't said anything since his initial statement. That was always You're not what? surprised by how long it takes by all those questions. Yeah, that, it's fine. If the government, if Rain tried to make as much money as possible and the government tried to turn this into some kind of political sideshow, that's their business. What I care about is the football side. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. isn't fair to the fans. And it's not good for the Premier League either. No, that's true. It's not good. That's true. Porto's unbeaten streak is over, Jules. They lost to Braga on Monday night. Yeah. You were really into the streak. So they're not going to beat that. 58. They're not going to reach the Bucharest levels, no, right? And not even beaten Milan. No. Albeit in a very different league, of course. But Milan also stopped at 58. Like Sergio Concesao's Porto. Braga keep amazing me, I have to say. Because they had... You know, they have they had such a great run in the Europa League as well as being good in the league. They've got all those great young players and Carvajal is doing such a great job. I mean, this is this is fantastic. So in a way, for them to, to stop that unbeaten run is, is is fitting, I guess. But yeah, I would have liked Porto to go just a little bit further. The title's not in danger, is it? Six points ahead of Sporting. Mm. There's not many games to go, so they should just be okay. But they can't have one of those performances again. Also on Monday, Gab, Juventus win 2-1 away at Sassuolo with a late Mosey Kane goal. Gab, they're one point behind Napoli in third now. And they're in the Coppa Italia final, of course, against Inter. Yeah, and the worst thing you can do is believe your own hype. God, okay. they were not good against Sassuolo. They were not good against Sassuolo. It hasn't been good. The club... No realize they've not been good. Um, like, you even had Dybala actually scored the, 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 the first goal for Juve. You even had people coming out saying, like, oh, should they go back to Dybala and, like, offer him a new deal, try to reopen talks? No. No, they shouldn't. Yeah. You should move on. 
Now, it's great if they finish top four, if they finish third, but if they finish third in the, in the Coppa Italia final against Inter and they win the Coppa Italia, it does not mean it's a successful season. That's true. This is a building season to get you back what you were. Yeah. I think there's enough grown-up people at Juve who believe that. The worst thing is if they start listening to others. Even Allegri believes that. Yeah. Even Allegri w- w- would say that. So I think there's going to be changes at Juve, maybe even changes upstairs with with the ownership, maybe having a look at who is president. Um Fine, you're embarking on a progress on a project. Stick to the project. Finish top four and uh, and move on. Plenty of buzz that Bayern are about yes. to secure Ajax right back Moussa Nasrawi as a free agent. Jules, are you a bit surprised? I mean, Barcelona could have used a right back, and actually, his current manager's new club could probably use a right back. I mean, no disrespect but, to Jogo Dalot. But you don't like him going soccer. to Bayern. Hey, Bayern need. I'm just wondering. But Bayern need a right back too. So it's not like if he was going to a club who had already Philip Lam playing a right back or Joshua Kimmich when he was a right back. He's a World Cup winner, Benjamin Pavard. Benjamin Pavard. So in a way, that makes sense. No, no, it makes sense in Bayern's perspective. I do wonder a little bit because, you know, these talks always... Like it's not official yet, but obviously they started talking back in January. Of course, not even before that. I do wonder whether at some point they tried to use the United angle to play off him. Like, yeah, say, like, maybe. look, Ten Hag knows you, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure Ten Hag is in love with Masrawi necessarily. I mean, played him as his best right back. Yeah, he should. More Ajax gap. We'll never have enough. They lost the Dutch Cup final last weekend to PSV, who are in the title race with them, of course. But some players are also investigated for their fantasy football activities. Yeah, so this is funny. This has to do with a company um, that we both know called, called Sorare, yeah. where it's essentially it's a fantasy football game where you can buy individual players, player cards. There, there's different tiers of them. Yeah. They are blockchain protected, so I'm going to use the, the N-word. The, they are non-fungible tokens. They are. Although it's not NFTs. really about that, but you can trade these cards and whatever. Yeah. So... Davy Klaassen and Daily Blind are being investigated because they had Andre Onana cards. Um, and Andre Onana is Ajax's starting goalkeeper for now. And yeah. they, people expect him to start. And then instead, the Steck monster, Martin Stecklenberg, old, who's, I think he's got to be in his 50s, 60s by now. Yeah. I don't know, but he's been injured for a long time. True. Then it emerges that he's going to start in the final. But just before that, these guys sell Onana cards and buy Stecklenberg cards. So they're accused of insider trading. Wow. Now, the most they would have made off this is a couple hundred euros. So I don't think it's super sinister, yeah. but Sorare have said that they're going to investigate, they're going to figure out what's happened. It's not like it's a massive fraud, but it does kind of, you know, it's the perils of it fantasy is. football, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, Arsenal, uh, they're obviously in the running to to win the Women's Super League here in they England. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, they're one point behind Chelsea, Chelsea I think. That's right. Tobin Heath will not be a part of it if they do win the title. No, that's right, Gav. The uh, the U.S. international had an hamstring injury, uh, and and I think both parties were in agreement to terminate her contract, which was finishing at the end of the season anyway. Uh, so she went back to the U.S. early. It hasn't really worked out for her. She played 18 games and and only scored three goals, uh, despite being clearly very talented. I don't know if she didn't really fit in. In the system, or, or why we've we've seen that before of you know, super big US. How many player. games are left? Four, three, I think. I think. Yeah, three or four. Right. Um, and so she's not going to heal in time for the no, end of the season. Exactly. So, so it, it made sense, especially if she wanted to go back. But we've seen before 
some of those big US names, huge player coming over to Europe and maybe struggling a little bit to adapt to it. We saw that in Lyon as well, even with, you know, with Morgan, for example. So it's, it's not new. I think maybe there was more expectations that she would do better than, than what she has. Uh, bad behaviour, Gab. We saw two pitch invaders in the City Real Madrid game on Tuesday night in the Champions League. One of them was a kid who wanted Kevin De Bruyne's shirt. Yeah. So look, I said about the dad. Hey, <laughs> no, no. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna sound like grumpy old man here. Um, I feel very strongly about that. I had to go. Remember, I forget what the game was. It might have been an international. Once this kid ran onto the pitch Liverpool with game, Cristiano Ronaldo. No, no, with Cristiano oh, Ronaldo. Cristiano, yeah, yeah. You remember that? And Cristiano Ronaldo, like you know, put his arm around him and whatever. Uh, like, I'm not going to blame Cristiano Ronaldo for doing that. Obviously, mm. you know, in the moment, it's a kid. But we have to do everything we can to discourage this. Because first of all, moments after the kid did it, this other dude who was anything but a kid uh, ran onto the pitch. Um, it's completely irresponsible for these people to do it. I don't know what happened to this kid. Right. And look, I love it. We all had heroes growing up. By all means, make one of those signs, say, hey, De Bruyne, can I have your shirt? Yeah. Uh, wait outside. And then it's up to De Bruyne to give you. There's a time and a place for it. This is dangerous. It sets a bad precedent. I think you as a parent or whoever the hell was there with him. I know. You should have enough control over your. How old do you think the kid was? I'm assuming he's not a very small adult, right? No, 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 definitely, no, no. Maybe <laughs> eleven like or twelve. Yeah. Eleven or twelve. So won't face any consequences. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no stadium ban. You don't go to jail. There's no fine if you're that age. I, I don't. Know. I hope Man City went to them, went to the parents or whoever he was yeah, with, you and would said think like, so. you know, not one of those like, oh, it's okay, it's so sweet. Oh, here, here's a Kevin De Bruyne sign shirt. No, 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 no. No, no Kevin, think. Kevin De Bruyne, you're nothing. Right. You're right. And De Bruyne shouldn't feel under any up. Just even imagine, he's at work. He's doing his job. Imagine the break in concentration as well, right? Yeah. So many true. reasons this is that a bad is thing, not that something to be encouraged. In fact, if you do have a little kid and you want to give him a shirt, obviously Marcus Rashford is a good guy to ask it from because yeah. he will give you a shirt. Yeah. And as we found out, I, this is, it's Arsenal United, yeah. right? There's a kid Something apparently like. plays in the Arsenal under nines. Who, at least that's according to the Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, I think that's why I saw too. Because I saw Marcus giving the shirt as I was going down to go pitch side for the, uh, the post match right. stuff. Uh, and then some meanie Grinch takes the shirt from him. Right. But this is the problem. This has happened many, many times. I know so many incidents where the player comes in, gives it to a small kid. And if you don't hold on tight, or if your dad is not next to you, then someone tries to get a. People love getting those, those you know. People love taking. No, shirts but players, players worn shirts is huge now. But I mean, come on, this is a kid. Like, don't steal, don't steal from a kid who right. was given directly the shirt by Marcus Rashford. Yeah. It's not like, you know, I, I, he throws it in the crowd and then we all jump to get it, and then two people have it at the same time, and you, you pull, and the one that pulled the strongest get it. No, so, it was the it was in the kids' hands. Yeah. All right, so this is outrageous. This okay. is a disgrace. So first of all, well done, Marcus Rashford, because he said he's, he's going to find out, the kid. Yeah, he's going to he's, he's going to give him another shirt. But I invite all twenty Premier League clubs, even the ones who are about to be relegated. You guys have CCTV everywhere, even in the bathrooms, right, for crowd control purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you see this happening. Name and shame. Any adult who goes and takes yes, a shirt or a memento. I, mean, I know no, no. that's crazy. I, 
You should ban them from the club. What kind of behavior is I this? Know, I know, I know, it's crazy. Torino and Atalanta drew 4-4 on Wednesday night in a game that featured four penalties, Gab, and a two-goal Atalanta comeback really late as well in the last 10 minutes. They're not as good as they were Atalanta, Gab, but they're still very much entertaining. Yeah, anything can happen in the Atalanta That's games, so which is why, like, you know, you do not want to be playing Atalanta exactly. if you're Milan. Um, yeah, they, they, they came back. I think they're going to look back on the season. They, they did spend money. They've had their ups and downs. They got their praise. You know, they had a lot of injuries, though. They've had a, to- a ton of injuries this year. You know, you get close to the top, and the question is, how do you stay there? How do you build? Um, they've got this ownership situation as yeah. well, because Stephen Pagliuca, we mentioned, of course. you know, he is... He would have to presumably give up the Atalanta stake um, because presumably Chelsea and Atalanta are both qualifying for Europe, although you would Atalanta think so. may not next year. Well, um, so, but but it, I, I think they remain a wonderful story and, and an admirable club yeah, for definitely. the way they conduct themselves. A few days after winning the Dutch Cup, it um, or the, the Becker, I think, as the they Becker, call yeah, it, the it uh, emerges that Roger Schmidt is leaving PSV Eindhoven to join Benfica. Jules, he could still win the double. Are you surprised? When, like, with Eric Ten Hag, we had this whole yeah. dance, like, oh, no, I want to win this first before it's announced. Like, I know. And I that's mean, what United. This but is we knew we, even before they announced it. We knew... Because he hadn't extended his contract. Yes, and also, he's been there two years at PSV. Clearly, he wants the weather and the food. He can't be happy in Eindhoven, and that's why he's going to Benfica. Because otherwise... I mean, he's got something really good going on right now at PSV, right? They have a really good academy. They've got a really good first team that he makes them play really well. As you said, they can win the league now. And imagine winning the double against this Ajax team. It would be fantastic. So, so you swap that for Benfica, who are nowhere near right now sporting. And I know they caused Liverpool a bit of a, a, a few problems. They beat Ajax, obviously, in the last 16 of the Champions League. But then they... they this season, they haven't been as good, nowhere near as Sporting in Porto. So you swap PSV for that? So I don't know Roger Schmidt at all, although I know people who know him very, very well and people who work with him and have worked with him. I find this thing weird, not so much the leaving PSV Eindhoven, but, you know, you're moving to, if anybody about this, first of all, Benfica, you're choosing Roger Schmidt. If, if there's one thing that Portugal produced in droves in general, it's coaches. It's coaches, yeah, that's right? True. So many of the best in the world. I know, it's strange. And you get Roger Schmidt, who's a different outlook, different mentality. Doesn't speak the language, doesn't know the culture. Maybe he can pick it up. I don't know. Maybe no, no, he's I'm a smart sure, guy. But... He went to China. Maybe, maybe he learned Mandarin when he was there. But I also wonder if you're Roger Schmidt. Like, know. you've kind of, you know, you've, you've gone on your way, right? Because you, you're very hyped when you're at Leverkusen. You've got been up, you've been down. Obviously, I had an experience with the Red Bull folks as well. Wouldn't you think that he'd be kind of a logical guy to sort of hang around so. and maybe make a leap to a Liga team or a, yeah, or a Premier League team? I don't know. Possibly. I was really surprised, but it might work out. We will see. But you go to Benfica and you got to climb a hill involving Porto and Sporting. The where- thing f- and the thing with Benfica, they've made some, they made the wrong decisions in terms of managers, even George Jesus coming back, all of that. So they need to get this one right. Otherwise, the gap with Porto and Sporting is going to grow and grow and grow. The top flight of Italian women's football gap will turn professional next season. Why, why did it take so long? I thought they were already professional. It's pretty much a bureaucratic thing. And it's, it is funny because in the 60s and 70s, um, women's football in Italy was a really, really big thing. Uh, the best players in the world came to play in Italy and they got paid. And they didn't have professional status in terms of rules and protections, mm-hmm. but they got paid good salaries. And this was a time, by the way, when... A lot of countries, including the one where we live in, 
basically banned women from playing football altogether. There's a, there's a woman named Rose Riley who's uh, one of the greatest women footballers of all time. She was Scottish and she had to move, you know, you had to basically had to move to Italy or Germany if you wanted to play at a decent level. Yeah. And then obviously something got lost. There was a lost generation of women's football around the world. Now it's come back. What's important here is so mu- is mostly getting safeguards. As a, when you're recognized as a professional rather than an amateur, you have certain safeguards in terms of women's health issues, or if you get pregnant, or you have certain assurances. It's not yeah. really about pay because they're still going to get paid whatever they got paid. It's not like all of a sudden you get okay, paid yeah, more, similar, right? Yeah, yeah. It's more about having those labor protections, okay. which I think are really, really important because you're devoting yourself. You're making you're making yeah, this your career, sure. and I think it's only right. Usman Dembele's agent, um, uh, one of the many Sissokos out there, yeah, yeah. met with Barcelona, and they'll be meeting again in a few days. Now, Dembele knows he'll have to take a pay cut to stay, but or at least it's going to make less money if he stays than he would yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. Is there a reason, though, for Barca to be a bit more positive? Or are they just going through the motions? No, motion I think here? they should be positive. But I've said it from the beginning, there was definitely a chance that he would stay. Even, even so maybe because the there is no giant Dembele market out there. No, I think they, I think there would be interest. I think there would be interest for him as a free agent. Okay. Not if they ask again for the forty million wages and twenty million. Okay, signing even on, on the wages he's on now, right? The twenty million. Apart from the Paris Saint Germain link and using the Mbappe money for Dembele, fine. And then you still don't have a center forward, and it's still three wingers. It's still a freak show, but whatever. Has anybody else seriously been in the running for? No, I think you know, I think Manchester United have been looking at him for a couple of years now, and even Chelsea and Tuchel. And we've said Chelsea needs a one-on-one winger that actually beats people and makes the differences. You're not a Callum Hudson-Odoi fan, then? No, Pulisic. The, we're not going to compare Dembele and Hudson-Odoi, right? Can you compare Dembele and Pulisic? No. And troll all the USMNT no, guys? No, no? I'm not trolling anyone. I'm just saying that you need someone like that, who who has four or five successful dribbles per game which Hudson Odoi and Politic don't have right now. So I think Chelsea certainly, but again, I just think if you're talking 20 million a year, you're talking about more than Lukaku money. No, no, but and that, that, that's not going to happen. Not even in Paris, I think. So I think they know that. I think that's why they were trying, but you always ask for a lot and settle for less. So I think they, I think they would know. I think they would know. But I've always said, for me, he's going to stay at Barcelona. The Ukrainian Premier League has made it official that the league will not finish this season. Remember, he's been obviously interrupted since the start of the war and the title will remain vacant. Shakhtar had a two-point lead over Dynamo Kiev, but given the circumstances gap, this is obviously the sensible decision. Absolutely, it's a sensible decision. I mean, they, they did this as kind of like a bureaucratic going through, this, through the motions because what it means is that they can freeze their spots and they can then yeah. enter um, Those the European Europe, competition exactly. next year. And... Uh, and that's important, um, you know, Roberto Zerbi, who's in charge of Shakhtar, he said, like, nobody feels like celebrating. We all have more important things yeah. to think about. Um, so it's going through the steps. But it, it does, what I liked about this is it's a step they had to go through. And there is a reminder that hopefully at some point this nightmare will end. Mm. A last-minute penalty equalizer from Nicolas Lodero allowed Seattle to draw 2-2 away to Pumas in the first leg of the CONCACAF Champions League final. Jules, the return leg is next week in Seattle. I'm still waiting for Pumas to send me a shirt in the interest of fairness. They haven't done that yet. Pumas, come on. Adelante. Come on. Um, This was good. I mean, I didn't stay up. I would say, oh, I watched the NBA, but um, uh, I watched the highlights. And... I thought it was really good. So certainly from the highlights, I, again, I didn't see the whole game. The highlights suggest to me that Pumas were 
better, better team. Yeah, they were, but we wish we were expected, especially in the kind of form that Seattle were going into the game. How big a call, by the way? 97th minute, know, VAR penalty. No, no, no. I mean, that's what he's there for, though. I don't know. I thought it was a bit dubious. And also, if you're a defender, where's he going to go yeah, in that position? True, that's on, true. Man. That's true. Could have been not given. Don't Could give the referee given. a chance to make but, a bad decision. But, and again, I've got, no, I don't care who wins, but this is perfect for the second leg. The 2-2 instead of having Pumas winning 2-1, for example. No, 2-2, absolutely. So open, we're going to enjoy the second leg. Absolutely, and I'm waiting for my shirt. Fermin Lopez is an 18-year-old Barcelona youth player who scored a great overhead kick against Cornea. But Gab, there's a conspiracy doing the rounds that the club did not appreciate his celebration at all. This is such a story of our era. Okay, so yeah. this is what happens. So yeah, this guy scores us. a goal, overhead kick. And by the way, he Barcelona youth player. He, he's, I don't think he's Barcelona B. He's whatever, F G H. Who okay. knows? Um, scores an overhead kick, goes to celebrate, and his celebration is he does the Cristiano Ronaldo Sioux celebration, okay. right? I mean, one hundred percent. It's his tribute to Cristiano, and on Barcelona's official media channels where they show highlights of these games. They cut away before the celebration. No way. People who were there filming him show the entire celebration. Yeah. Therefore, the conspiracy theory du jour Ooh, du is jour. that Barcelona do not appreciate oh, their clearly. own players clearly. copying Cristiano Ronaldo. I hope that's not the case. I don't <laughs> mind a little spice, but yeah. this guy's 18 years old. Cristiano's probably his hero, right? Yeah. Cristiano would have been in his prime when he was like seven or eight. Nothing wrong exactly. with it. Come on, man. Exactly. Live a little. Right, Jules, that brings us to an end. Uh, but we got to come back on Monday. Oh, yeah. Do this all over, over again because some huge games coming up. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use indeed to hire great talent fast and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash gab. Just go to indeed.com slash gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 